Salams guys, my name is Mohammed Zaud and I'm the co-founder of Toledo Society, which is a podcast network dedicated to English-speaking Muslims across the globe. We've launched a couple of shows and we have several in the pipeline. Our first show, which is called The Transit Lounge, which I host, is currently live and you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. On The Transit Lounge, we interview people who've had a considerable impact on the Muslim world. People who've had positions at the White House, members of parliament, business people and community people. We also have another show that's currently live called Seven Stories, Seven Minute Stories as you drop off your kids to school. We'd love your feedback and if you'd like to find out more, visit ToledoSociety.com. That's T-O-L-E-D-O Society.com. Assalamu alaikum. I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So AccidentalMuslims.com is a, a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome to another episode of our podcast with AccidentalMuslims.com. Today we have a special guest in our, well, in their studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tashrik Trubody, welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. It's a pleasure being here. I've heard a lot about you guys. I see you guys have been doing great work and uh, it's, it's really just my pleasure to chat to you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for that. And thank you for having us here at the uh, Radio 786. Okay, so Tashri True Body. Uh, I think it's a, it's a simple but profound question that only you can answer. Yeah. Who, who are you? Who is Tashri True Body? Yeah, it's a very complicated question <laughs> because I know, you know, the public and when you have a public persona, people attach certain uh, either limitations or big expectations, um, you know, to you. But I'm a very simple guy. I... I love the simple things. I enjoy, um, you know, road trips, nature, etc. I grew up in Bourneville. I'm on the Cape Flats. I attended Rahmania Primary School. Um, went on to high school, of course. Uh, found myself in doing uh, journalism. Um, loved history during school, so I think that was a bit of a tip um, in in the right direction. Um, and and I'm really just an ordinary, simple person. That people see me or they listen. To me fighting with politicians on the radio, um, sometimes getting to heated moments with some listeners, etc. But I'm, I would tend to want to believe that I'm generally a, a humble, down-to-earth guy um, that just hopefully takes it easy. Okay, so you, uh, of course, have a regular slot. Just remind us yes. again of what your slot is and what your program the called pro- the, f- the full name is called News Reviews and Analysis, NRA for short. Okay. Um, it is between half past six and nine o'clock in the morning. So it's typical morning drive time radio, but talk radio. Um, and it has an extremely tight schedule that involves um, matters of the morning, setting the tone for the station for the rest of the day. On a wide range of issues, um, be it health, uh, news and current affairs, cultural, sometimes book reviews, movie reviews. Uh, but for the most part, it's it's hard hitting news and current affairs, um, very pacey, very punchy. And, uh, you know, a way to to really kickstart and, and, and have a discussion within our community about the issues of the day. So it's not necessarily just Muslim issues. It's not necessarily um, issues that... Societal is, issues. Exactly. It's, and it's also not just, you know, because now some community, uh, you know, Mitchell's plan, for instance, um, has a particular issue where we confine ourselves to that. It's sort of the national conversation as well that gets picked up. Um, and, and that really is the, the nature of the... Of the program. Tashrik, 
um, you, of course, growing up, I mean, to be to have this kind of concern for the community because it's really as a talk show host, mm. you really have to uh, empathize firstly with people, but at, at the same time, you need to understand where they are coming for, from. Mm. I mean, you have to be very balanced in your views. Mm. So does this emanate from your circumstances as a, and the area that you grew up from? You were saying you were from um, Bonteville, you attended Rahmania. Yes. Um, that's, of course, on the Cape Flats. Your high school and your tertiary? Well, Alexander's attended high school um, okay. in, in Belgrave. Asylon uh, is where we attended high school. But yes, you are correct. Um, I mean, I have a first-hand experience when we talk about gangsterism and drugs, um, when we talk about poverty, unemployment, etc. Um, and, and, you know, there's a very interesting... Uh, story I did recently an interview on the movie called Ellen um, you know a, a mother that had strangled her own her own child this is the story of Ellen Puckies Ellen Puckies yes um, you know so the movie that came out um, very interesting story I've interviewed Ellen myself personally um, you know did documentaries at the house etc but when I watched that particular movie because you know we all read the stories we all did the interviews but when you saw a real depiction of that particular moment in her life it was almost so real because all of us know somebody that struggles with drugs. All of us know a mother that has is struggling with a child that, that is on drugs. So when you do these interviews and these discussions, you can almost you know um, begin to understand and get into the psyche of people. Um, and we're often confronted with that that particular issue here at Radio 786 because when we sit in our cars sometimes on the N2 and we upset with people that throw feces across the road. But why would somebody be so desperate to do so? It's to, it's to get attention, you know, it's because they live in squalor every day. They have to get up at four o'clock in the morning to stand in long queues to go to a toilet that we have in close proximity in our own homes. So it's sort of those contextual issues that we need to be alive to in order for us to fully understand and root out journalism. In. And this is real life. I mean, it, it this is a reality for majority of South Africans, mm -hmm. particularly in this country. Th that is so true. Uh, and I mean, you know, when uh, when you're on the streets, you're covering certain stories. I must tell you, my job is very different these days. Um, I do the show. I'm not as much, uh, you know, in the field as I used to be. But when I used to do those things, you know, it, it, it used to give me so much energy and determination to tell these stories. Um, when people are being evicted from their homes, just the agony that they're feeling uh, during that moment. So I, I've had a wide range of issues that I covered, one of which, uh, you know, landed me a national award. Um, oh. And that was the, the story around farm workers and their plight, um, you know, and, and it, it was one of those very surreal moments where you got face to face with a story that was very raw, that has its roots deeply, um, you know, rooted or it's deeply rooted in the history of our country. So to see that overlap to our current modern day setting was, was, was a very real moment for yes. me. So, yes, to answer your question, you have to, you know, be alive to what the situation is on the ground in order for us to give expression on the radio so everybody else can understand where these people are coming from. So you from. were nominated for this award? Uh, well, the way it works is that um, you apply as a media house um, and you compete uh, first regionally. So I won regionally in the Western Cape. I was nominated as the Journalist of the Year in the uh, News and Current Affairs category for radio. Um, then you automatically get entered uh, nationally. So you compete on a national level, you compete against 
the SABC, um, wow. Prime Media, all of those uh, stations. The top uh, dogs of radio. Of radio. And in fact, uh, you know, there was a special assignment uh, feature. It was also competing uh, at the time in my slot. Um, and Alhamdulillah, I was able to win the national award. Yeah, well um, done. Well it, done. <laughs> well, it happened a few years ago. But it, it just, it's one of those uh, very moments. Because I was a very young journalist yes. still. Um, well, but it's one of those poignant milestones of your life. I mean, so it is. It's, regardless of how long ago it happened, I mean. Yeah, no, no, it is. But, and I think the point of this um, particular award, mm. I know people tend to think it's a cliche when you say, you know, you dedicate your award to whoever and so on and so forth. But the reality is, um, yes, I did a lot of work in that particular feature, but that feature was really just farm workers telling their story. Yeah. Um, and. That is what I wanted to do, yes. uh, which is why we went to the Dwarans, went running around in between shacks and uh, yes. dodging rubber bullets at the time. Yeah. Um, and I think that is really what, what uh, as I look back, um, that is what that award represents. It's the ability of people to really tell their own yes. story. Yes. I mean, one of the, something you mentioned earlier on the example of the movie now mm. that uh, depicts, of course, Ellen Pucky's life and the very real... Um, a challenge she dealt with dealing with her, her drug addicted son mm. um, and so it wasn't only substance abuse that she was dealing with but the abuse of her uh, the effects of the substance abuse of, from her son yes. and to the extent that she actually killed him, correct? She strangled him uh, with a piece of rope uh, after having given him a a, a cup of tea. Um, he was drugged up. Um, it was the upteenth time that he stole from them, that he abused her. He nearly stabbed her once. Um, it's a very violent depiction of a child yes. abusing their mother, which, yeah. you know, in our society sometimes is unheard of. You know, one could even, you know, I mean, the older generation would shudder to think that even if they talk back to their parents, you know, what a grave sin that is. So yeah, you saw a very violent um, attack on a mother. But the point of the story and at the time, 10 years ago, by the way, this year and this past month, when this entire incident happened, the point is that drugs um, demonized this particular young person. And very interesting about this story, because I wrote about this, um, you know, in an online publication, that what the Ellen Pucky story represents um, is a number of things. The one is a young man who was faced with a challenge around identity and crisis, who he was, um, you know, finding out that uh, his mother had been raped and he doesn't know who his father is. He's the son of a, a, a incident of a rape. Um, and he immediately goes into a self-identity crisis and he doesn't know how to deal with it. And what is his next outlet? He becomes naughty in school. He starts abusing drugs. So it's it's what that's what that particular story tells me. Or that moment of that story tells me is that not every drug addict is just somebody that's a loser in life that's not willing to do anything with their lives. Mm. Circumstances have pushed them into that hole. Mm. Life has dealt him a bad hand. Mm. Um, and then on the other hand, you deal with a demonized society by drugs that where the cycle spirals and spirals and it breaks down, it breaks down families in the way that is depicted in that movie with Ellen being abused, the husband threatening to walk away, etc. So all of these are little signs of broader both internal psychological issues and societal issues that, that confront ordinary families. Mm. And it's, it's a real tragic story, but a tragic that so many Cape Townian or uh, Cape Flats communities can identify yeah. with. Tashrik, yeah. your empathy, I yes. suppose, as a journalist, you have to almost immerse yourself into your story. 
I mean, to effectively uh, translate to transmit the story mm. of the of the um, uh, whatever you're covering. So my next question to you: How do you describe yourself in three words? <laughs> <laughs> That's very difficult. Um, I, I I think if I were it's very difficult sometimes to describe oneself, especially if it's a good things. Um, you know, I, I would tend to think that I'm hardworking. I would tend to think that I'm dedicated. What could be the same thing. Um, but also, I, I, I guess to a certain degree, I'm, I'm somebody that battles with himself constantly. Um, where I am, who I am, what I am, where, I'm, where am I going? What's my purpose in life? Uh, why was I born here? Why was I placed crisis, here? Perhaps? Not to the degree of uh, <laughs> to the point that I'm going to, you know, go self-destruct anything like that. No, 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 and and not necessarily depression or anything like that. It's a real problem, you know, depression and mental and mental health issues. But um, I I tend to often go through these you know different paces in my life where I look at you know what the purpose of my life is, and I, I you know I tend to always use the very bad example. If you die right now. Everybody's going to weep, they're going to cry, they're going to say, oh, we missed the Shirik on the radio, my family, my loved one's going to miss me. Three months later, it is as if though you were never there. Sure. So you ask yourself then, what is your purpose in life? What are you doing? And of course, that is why we have a creator, we have a God, uh, you know, Allah tells you to work towards your afterlife, etc. Those are important things. So I have these ebbs and flows in my life where I go through trying to stick to some path or the other. I mean, it's a challenging thing, um, you know, and and yeah, so it's very difficult to describe oneself, but what I can tell in terms of my day-to-day stuff, dedicated and committed, that's certainly what I am. So um, uh, definitely that's one of the reasons why you are on our platform today, because <laughs> our mantra is, of course, as AccidentalMuslims.com, living with purpose. It says that right on, yes. on, the, on the banner over there. Um, Tashriq, do you have any mentors um, that that guides you, that you look up to, that you know, that you don't know? I think I've I've had mentors in my life, particularly when I just started out my career in broadcasting. People that, both from a professional perspective, assisted me in uh, in the work that I did here at the radio. But then there were also people that, you know, because I was a young child, uh, I was a youngster growing up, I came to the radio at the age of 13 while wow. I was still in high school, wow. came to volunteer, etc., and so thankfully, the age, <laughs> thankfully, there were these people that that assisted, um, you know, in in my upbringing. They um, both from a professional and a personal perspective. Uh, it it was remarkable to have noticed these these mentors. Some have passed on. Some are still around. Um, and I must tell you that all my friends, and I'm talking about my actual friends, both some that I work with and both my personal life, one of them are older than what I am. Um, People always say I'm an old soul, older <laughs> all my age, which I'm fine with, and I'm totally cool with that. But um, I find inspiration in some of these people, um, and I see them as almost this unofficial mentor. So mentorship is very important, yes. Sure, sure. sure. Well, so from one old soul to another, um, <laughs> how do you approach challenges? I mean, what's your what's your leadership style? It's. There's one thing I don't do. In the moment of crisis, in the moment of tension, I I don't hit the ceiling. Um, I try to take a step back. I try to assess the situation. Of course, there are heated moments and all of us have our shortcomings. We have lapses, etc. But for the most part, I'm extremely calm in uh, moments of, of crises, um, in, in whatever issues may confront 
uh, me as a person, but also within the organization that I lead. Uh, so calm-headed, um, try to look for the best possible solution. And I'm, I'm not somebody that finds, that is obsessed with finding the right solution. Sometimes we have to make mistakes, you know, in order to learn from them and take a different path. The journey always has to be the same. The ethos, the principle, the fundamentals must always remain the same. Um, how we get there sometimes may be a bit challenging and rocky and, and, and so on. Um, so calm and collected for the most part. Um, and I think that is what, what has saved me. I mean, too hot-headed, too hot-headed people is going to get you nowhere. Do you have any regrets in life? <sighs> it's a very difficult question. Because the, for me, the understanding of regrets is that you dwell on them. Um, you know, that you sit on them and you're obsessed with these regrets in life. Yes, I've had failures in life. Yes, I've had challenges in life. Um, I think I m- must have learned from them. Um, there's probably two big personal incidents which uh, I don't know what to, to disclose at this time. But uh, yeah, if I would have done things differently, yes. If I could have um, had hindsight with me at the time, most definitely. Uh, but regrets in the form of dwelling on them, absolutely not. How do you define success? I define it by being contented in life. Um not by how much money you have in your bank account, not by what sort of fancy car you drive. So yes, uh, I want to drive a bit of a faster car. Sometimes I feel like I want to. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I feel like I need to get onto a motorbike or you know of some sort. Uh, I love, as I was telling you earlier, I love traveling and stuff. So um, just I went earlier this year for a brief holiday to uh, down the west coast, and sometimes I got to George last year. I went to India, mm-hmm. so I do do those sort of unnecessary splurges sometimes, but. That's not success for me. That's if you're by the means to do so and you want to spoil yourself for a moment, then do so. Success is when you are contented with what you have, you know, um, not by material wealth, uh, when you're contented with the work that you do, uh, with the people, with your company, with your friends, um, and also religiously. I mean, there's, um, there's one particular thing that one prayer I always make, you know, is that, you, again, the ebbs and flows of life, um, you know, the, the dua that Allah Salat al-Mustaqim keep me on that straight path. And that's always a challenge, you know. So uh, I pray to stay contented, which I am at the moment, um, and not necessarily be drowned out by needs and wants and unnecessary things in life. Sure. So would, do you have a favorite verse? In the Quran, not necessarily a favorite story. Yes, well, you know, this so like I'm blown away by verses like Nur ala Nur, light upon light, that type of thing. Like, how do you comprehend something like that? Um, and then, of course, uh, Surah Tawbah, there's lots of verses in there that, that jump at me. But I think Surah Duha is one such uh, surah and contextual story that, um, represents part of my life. Remember I told you that you go through these ebbs and flow of life, not sure where you're going, what you're doing. And, um, you know, the story, of course, where uh, the prophet is going through either a form of depression or something is feeling down. People are mocking him, etc. And the verse gets, gets, but, you know, where you're not an orphan and I've given you this. And that's, you know, that sort of reminder by God, but also saying that I will test you at times. Um, is what I think for me is a quite a remarkable story because in that particular lesson we are told that even the best of human beings, you know, had these challenges. And if at any moment, whether life is good or bad, you need somebody to turn to, it is your creator. 
because it's i mean these are very simple ex- uh, lessons that we learn when you're in school and you're approaching an exam or you are fearful of what the results of that exam is there's no one else you could turn to when you're about to die or in a moment of sickness you say oh god or oh allah please sure. you know, give me ease yes. so almost you are forced even atheists sometimes are even forced to recognize a being higher than themselves or they're not believing in a god but you know they have to reach out to something there's always an exclamation to god exactly yeah. and and so that particular surah as simple as it is for me says you know what you're going to have bad days you know what life is challenging but there is a god and that i can provide you with whatever it is that you need so surah duha certainly is an outstanding story and surah for me any hobbies Uh photography I love photography I bought me a, a little drone uh, now recently oh, nice. um so I'm testing and playing around with that extremely scared of crashing it <laughs> <laughs> so photography is what I like and of course traveling um I, I don't mind any time just getting into the car better as it expensive these days so <laughs> I think that's going to be curtailed a bit um but yeah traveling and photography what are you most grateful for It's a very complicated question. Um I guess I'm grateful for grateful just, for not crashing your drone. Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's one such thing. Um look, I think it's just to be here to do things. I mean, you know sometimes you knock your toe and you 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 sort of like but I never even needed that toe. Like why now I'm suddenly limping all over the place. Um you know sometimes you You are, you don't realize that a certain tooth that you never ever thought about that started paining and then it's as if your life is ending. So at the moment I'm contented in my life and I'm grateful for that. Um I fear for instance um I always tell friends that if I were to ever and I know sickness sometimes can be a test of Allah but if I ever were to live closer to my death I hope that it's quick and sudden. I don't want to suffer. Um and at the moment I'm not suffering with anything. And so I'm, I'm certainly contented and grateful for that. When you think about the youth, okay, what excites you? Or, or what are your concerns? Yeah, or concerns you about the, the state of affairs of the youth today? Before, when I was in, I when at the age of thirteen, fourteen, etc., when I started doing Ethiopia at Radio Seven Eight Six and started doing youth programs, I was always annoyed with people talking down to to young people. Mm-hmm. saying young people are the last generation they don't know what they're doing and so on and so forth and so on my fear for young people today is a a sense that there is no proper outlet for some of the energies that they have um also a dire lack of um opportunities for them so a a kid in manenberg is confined to that life because well there's nothing for him to do there's no clear there's no uh, soccer field for him to go to there's no resources for him um you know i see for instance within our own religious community if you take it from a different perspective that sometimes young people are so confused about what they need to do and what they need to think it's either the far extreme you know the interpretation of the religion or the extremely moderate or the extremely liberal there's no real balance in between it's very difficult to find that balance um and ultimately it boils down to the individual self but so my question is twofold it's a sense of direction for young people and a, a leadership for young people but also the necessary resources to take people from Bonteville Manenberg Hanover Park to tell them there is a better life out there tell us about your um about the radio industry 
and your in, your engagement with people. There's always this this little saying in 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 media, especially journalism. If you've uh, you know impacted one person, then you've done your job. Um, and I think I I, I live by that. Uh, you know, sometimes I've learned very good lessons through radio. There were certain issues. My my love. Let me say this: my actual pure love for radio is in production. I love production. It's the one thing that gets me going is putting together a program, getting the appropriate guests, all of those things. Um, and when, for instance, uh, I'm trying not to plug here and, and throw my name around, <laughs> but, uh, you know, things such as getting an interview with President Jacob Zuma, talking to big politicians, etc. All of that was largely because of my, my connections and my love for putting together things and, you know, that sort of determination. It just so happened that I did the interview. It just so happened that I am behind the mic every morning between half past six and nine o'clock. But uh, it's connecting with people and, and just being able to have a conversation. And I've learned so many lessons. You know, sometimes I think, you know, the Muslim community is not going to want to talk about cryptocurrencies. They don't want to, they're not interested in, you know, how, um, you know, the Reserve Bank operates, for instance. Yes, I understand it's a big conversation on the riba and so on. But I've learned very important lessons myself. You know, don't underestimate your own mm-hmm. listenership. Don't mm-hmm. underestimate your community. Um, you know, and sometimes they will, they will move with you if you uplift them. And I'm always reminded why I'm here at this station. Um, it's not, you know, trying to, and I'm sorry if this is going to offend anybody, you know, trying to do ecosystem mentality stuff because that's where you think people are. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Our slogan, which is inform, educate and uplift, so push the boundary, talk about things um, that is needed to be spoken about, um, all in the name of education. Of course, some people won't like certain things, and we take our guide from them. Um, but the point is to be grounded with your community um, and take them with you, uh, of course, guided by uh, things such as that uh, inform, educate, and uplift. The last question. Okay. <laughs> it's your last day. Oh, You're going to die, right? Mm-hmm. What did your last words be to your family? That's a difficult question. <laughs> what, what does one say in the moment of of dying? I, look, I guess I guess you could ask for them to, to pray for your afterlife. Um, you know, pray for me uh, because, you know, while we have intercessors, etc., uh, the point is that, you know, with often stories, you must pray for your parents, etc., if they've passed on. So I'm sure they would know that I love them and I would tell them that I love them. Um, but I guess I'd be more contented if I know that somebody there is praying for my, my sins and my shortcomings in life and that hopefully it will be taken up. So pray for me, I guess. <laughs> Remember me. <laughs> True, buddy. It's been an absolute sure, privilege so and an honor to interview you. Sure. Thank you for taking the time. It's been a pleasure. And to hope you enjoyed this podcast uh, and to our Facebook um, viewers. Thanks for always tuning in to the Facebook fam, the Instagram fam. Thank you very much. And please stay tuned for our next episode. Once again, thank you very much. Salams, guys. My name is Mohammed Zaud, and I'm the co-founder of Toledo Society, which is a podcast network dedicated to English-speaking Muslims across the globe. We've launched a couple of shows, and we have several in the pipeline. Our first show, which is called The Transit Lounge, which I host, is currently live, and you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. On The Transit Lounge, we interview people who've had a considerable impact on the Muslim world, people who've had positions at the White House, members of parliament, business people, and community people. We also have another show that's currently 
Live called Seven Stories, Seven Minute Stories as you drop off your kids to school. We'd love your feedback. And if you'd like to find out more, visit ToledoSociety.com. That's T-O-L-E-D-O Society.com. So that's it for today's show. We hope you added value. We hope you enjoyed it. But most of all, we hope our guest has inspired you to live with purpose. Don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com. If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum.